Hello, YouTube, and welcome to the Shade Chamber, a Genshin podcast run by five 30-year-old boomers think this game is doing interesting things. I'm your missing shoulder blade, Beefy. I'm the friend who's been running the same domain for the last six months, Break. I'm the Riptide Invoker and Fatui Housewife Promoter, Zhur. <laughs> I'm Rad, I'm the Kaching main who's in pain. <laughs> And I'm your dead twin, Wander. Oh, f Oh, no! Oh, Wait, hold on! It says something uh, about this game's story where I was like, which one? Exactly. <laughs> we don't know that Lumine isn't a ghost. I think that Lumine has probably definitely ghosted a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Definitely how she broke up with Dane's leaf. Da Daniel Sleaf. And then moved yeah. on to, uh, you know, her Fatui housewife. Yeah, yeah, completely. Leaving a trail of broken hearts and shattered bodies in her wake, as Here's she does. Here Too at late. the Shade Chamber, your ship is wrong, and we're right. No! Let's, uh, let's just hit the uh, schedule. Yeah, so today, we're talking about that hot pink bitch named Breakfast. That's right, it's Yai. We were all very hyped for this character. <laughs> this is someone who has been prominent in the story, in the lore, uh, since Inazuma came out. I think we were all enamored with how mean she is and how effortlessly stylish. And she's been, you know, present in the story since day one of Inazuma, um, which came out in July. So that was what, at this point, like... The better part of a year ago? Yeah, Over I mean, six that, that months. That was basically seven months, right, at this point? Yeah. 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 I don't think there's too much that we can say about Yai that's really interesting or new. There's lots of fun things you can do with her, lots of movement. She's one of the newest caddy users to actually come out as a primary DPS, and also the first viable electro caddy user. <laughs> Rip and piss, Lisa. I do love you. Your kit is whack. I did see that she was, like, you know, categorized as a sub-DPS on some of the tier stuff, but she is also only, like, at this point, what, a, a week old? Yeah. People are still figuring her out. Yeah. She is very squishy, though. Um, She's super squishy, but she moves for free. She gets three free dashes, which you can stagger with real dashes, and she can cover a, a shit ton of ground with very little stamina. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I've been experimenting for, is to basically use her to taxi my, my C-Zero Hu Tao around and do more dammy while consuming less stammy. The, the other thing, too, is that her burst refreshes all of her dashes, which is a lot of fun. Like, every post-launch Catalyst user feels really fun. Can't wait for the boys. There are still no boy caddies. I don't know why. Yeah, Chongyun should, no. should have been a catalyst user. Yeah. Facts is facts. Really no yeah. cryo catalyst users ever. <laughs> All this suffice to say, it kind of got us to thinking that, like, Yai is, the stuff you need to level her up is really, really deep in there. And it kind of got us thinking about a problem that it doesn't look like Genshin has a plan to solve yet, which is, what if these new five stars are your first five star? What if you are new to the game? And you get Yai Miko as your first five star, and you have to wait like 300 hours, not really, but you get it, like into the game's story to not only level her up, but her talents. Because her talents are contingent on the new uh, Raiden Shogun boss, which is way in there. It's underneath like Kokomi's quest, as well as two of Raiden's quests. 
it is a lot to yeah, ask. The, the, the full list <laughs> is like, it's like the entirety of the Archon Quest, the intermission chapter, uh, all of the... No. You know, oh, the intermission Archon chapter Quest. is not. Um, I don't know if you can choose to do the intermission chapter whenever, but that is not a prereq for Inazuma. Because I, 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 I thought that the Lumine stuff, or like the Aether slash Lumine okay, stuff, no, had yeah. to occur, I think right? that does have to happen, but the interlude, uh, yeah, the, the part with Shenhe and the Shade Chamber... Jeez, that's our house. Yeah, so suffice to say, like, they did add a little flexibility with the uh, Archon Quest interlude being um, optional in whether or not you do it before or after Inazuma. But it still puts us in a position where, like, it, it, it seems untenable for yeah, new players yeah, yeah, to the, level the, up. The, the, problem, the problem is you're stuck using Amber, Lisa, and Kaya for 300 hours in spite of rolling Yai, Ito, Shenha, and whoever else came out in the last couple of patches. Yeah, because it's going to be a while before they rotate in like people who you can level up easily in places that you can reach in the early game. Uh, yeah. Uh, a part of me wonders if they're going to implement some kind of dream-solvent situation just into like actually acquiring new boss maps early on. That would make sense, or just make it like an event reward, like a crown. It's like, or it's something that you can transmute into any boss mat you want. Yeah, yeah. I guess my one concern would, with that would be like, there are spoilers in some of those descriptions, especially the latest yeah. boss yeah. mat. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like, when we were looking at Yai's talent mats, it's like, oh, fuck! Hey, that's Makoto's hairpin! Oh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is stuff we were ready for, but... Uh, you know, it still sucks, stuff. though, you know, like, yeah. uh, the interface spoilers. Yeah! I mean, Let's say, like, all things considered, this game is shockingly okay at covering up its own spoilers. I love how they do these bait-and-switches in the trailers, like, different voice lines will be delivered with different tones, which makes you think different contexts are happening. And a lot of gacha games are notoriously bad about spoiling their own content just vis-a-vis, -vis, like, their banner images, since, you know, selling the character comes first and ex at the expense of everything else. Yeah. Like, no matter what, you're gonna see, uh, oh Christ, what is her name? Magatsumi Take Narukami no Mikoto, I think, is her full-ass name. That, you're yeah, gonna... that sounds about right. Yeah, you're gonna see her out of, out of sequence with the story, no matter goddamn what, but waiting to get to her so you can, like, make your yai uh, good, that's a whole other story. That's gonna be a bit crazy. Yeah, the first Ascension is... doesn't require mats, like, or cra anything crazy. No, wait. Actually, does it? I think the first one is level, like, six. After level six. Yeah, it's, it's all talent stuff, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, no, because her level Ascension mat is yeah, the bosses of Enka and Omiya. Oh, those guys. Do. Yeah. yeah but those, like, you don't need those to level 40, I don't think. Yeah, you do. You, no, no, to ascend yeah. past level four. Oh, I mean. like you don't you don't need those types of mats because you don't need them yeah, at level you twenty. Can to, you can get to level forty. Yeah, but after that, you need like you need fins, and then you need more. Yes. that's pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, anybody who's got like Inazuma talent talent materials is might be rough on a new player just because like up to I mean up to a certain point in early game. You, that's not really much of a concern, but you just can't flat out level those talents, period, because you can't get to those, like, t the, the talent domains. Yeah. Or, like, have any access to those, those particular talent materials. 
So sometimes they give them out in, like, events or the battle pass. Yeah, I guess the battle pass gives them to you. But, like, that's dependent on, like, you know, if you're, like, some people, I guess, would be, like, well, in in GBF we have, like, what we jokingly call seasonal players or people who come in for, like, the free stuff during, like, things like anniversary events and stuff like that. And then they disappear for the rest of the year. (laughs) Right. Totally. And, like... If you have people who are, like, say, that casual while playing Genshin, chances are they're not going to do enough of their battle pass to get any of those materials, so they're, they're out of luck. Yeah, I know Genshin has, like, a welcome back system where they give you some resources, but they certainly don't give you, like, boss mats yeah, or region they, mats. Like, yeah. they give you, like, um, like, experience books and stuff and, like, a hint, some, like, uh, some fragile resin, but, like, it's not... Like maybe a, maybe a couple wishes here and there. No, <laughs> more wishes so you can get another new five star that you can't level yeah, up for maybe. hundreds yeah. of dollars. <laughs> this game really punishes people who get on the train late. They mm. put yeah. essential story stuff behind quests that only happened in the past. They make like character mats inaccessible for people who haven't played up until that point. Like, uh, I I don't know. Maybe it makes more sense to them. Maybe they. Maybe it's better for them to retain who they have than try to like court more people, but like, I don't it know. Sucks. Like I, I, you know, they're gonna have to do some problem solving. My big hope is that with the upcoming chasm stuff, that's just going to be like attached to leeway without any kind of um, like without any sort of barriers of entry to it. Because the big thing about Inazuma and Konomiya is that, you know, it's all stuff that's, you know, gated behind the story. But when the game came out, you know, you were able to just walk from, like, Mondstadt right over to Liyue without any kind of, you know, barriers or issues. You were just able to play all of the content. And I thought that was great for the exploration. Mm-hmm. I hope other regions are attached similarly in the future. But if, you know, Inazuma's any indication, they're going to gate some areas off. So, like... The question then becomes, how are they going to handle the new player experience? Because it's going to become, you know, markedly worse over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, while we're speculating wildly, it's also worth kind of observing that, like, Inazuma is kind of their first big push for content outside of the initial map available to players. So it could also be that they were kind of using it a little bit more as a sandbox to kind of figure stuff out. Which That's is what it feels like. Yeah. They were really smart with that, making it a fully self-contained, walled-off area where they could kind of experiment with stuff. That said, like, it's going to be really interesting to see, like, all right, like, you know, playtime's over, you you have to hit your stride now, you have to release these other regions. How are you going to allow players to progress through them? Like, Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, speaking of progression, a part of me wonders, too, um, if in terms of onboarding new players. Um, I know that certain other MMOs that some people here may or may not play um, <laughs> have a system in which uh, you can kind of just fast-track through the story to get closer to being current. Um, so a part of me wonders, like, maybe they're going to start, like, allowing you to just skip over large swaths of the game to get closer to what's current. Don't um, know if they would do that for Genshin just yet. Like maybe if they, maybe in like a couple a couple of nations worth of content, they would consider that as like another avenue of making some money. But I don't know if they think they have enough stuff to let people just skip like swaths of story because otherwise, like 
what's there to do? Like, yeah. I'm not saying there's nothing to do because like, yeah, like we're all slaves to the grind at this point. At the same time, uh, aside from Inazuma being, I guess like their, their biggest like content, like, or content updates, like, I guess since the beginning of the game or whatever, um, the, if they let people skip too much, they risk uh, losing people just like when they when they get bored after they've run out of stuff to do because they've you know everything is done too quickly or something it doesn't seem like a yeah thing yeah yeah uh, it could also be that they like essentially don't offer the same rewards for skipping content which would really incentivize players to go back and actually play through it but i, I definitely okay. can't imagine that they would um, allow for like an Archon quest skip and at least until after Sumeru comes yeah. out. Yeah, especially because the way that they are telling the story right now, it is like compounding on what came before. It's not really something that you can tell in a different order. Like, um, both both Liwa and Inazuma's Archon quest have introduced like new metaphysical things that really impact the entire story and setting, and they both build off of you having done like the prior region. Well, I I would contest that a little bit for Leeway just because as we've sort of talked okay, erosion. About, Leeway tells yeah. you about erosion and that you know, like you know about uh, Leeway building off of Monstat, rather. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Leeway and like Monstat were out at about the same time, so yeah, yeah. I, like I, I don't, I feel like Leeway was kind of the first. Um, Archon Quest that really introduced concepts that appear to be like um, touching on the core themes that the game really is. Yeah, I, I feel like they they may not let you skip Mondstadt, but they're probably eventually going to have to do a huge rework of Mondstadt to at least make the onboarding better for a new player. And I feel yeah. like within the narrative that they've recently been establishing, like they have a good justification for that rework because with and and I mean obviously we've been getting into spoilers, but, like, with the recent, like, time dilation bullshit... Hey! Like, eternalism! Yay! Yeah, Eternalism! I can't exactly. believe that happened in two games we played this year. Exactly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is they can get into that and just be like, oh, yeah, time reasons, like, Mondstadt was changed and now it exists in this form. And, like, the the rest of the setting could just be like, oh, yeah, it's always been like that. And maybe Ether and Lumine are, like, the only two who recognize that Ooh. there was any kind of difference there. But, like, that does open the door then for them to go back and, like, make the changes they need to in order yes. to change the onboarding process for new players. Because, yeah, as, like you yes. guys said, as a tech demo, it's great. As a new player experience, it's pretty awful. Yes, uh, we there will be an event for seasoned players only where we go back in time and destroy Mondstadt. Which, but yeah, I think leads in nicely to our next point of this game is made on a six week turnover and it shows. Yeah, um, you know, uh, obviously like releases over time, episodic style content for games. Uh, it's certainly not unheard of. This schedule, like, I don't know if people unfamiliar with the game development pipeline realize how fucking insane it is to push new stuff out every six weeks. It's ungodly the amount of stuff they put out every six weeks. And, like, yes, this stuff probably spends more than six weeks, you know, in the pipeline, but they still have to have that much deliverable at that time. And sometimes even mid-six-week cycle, like, sometimes halfway through the patch, they'll have new stuff. They'll have an event. 
Yeah, like I uh, would really like to be a fly on the wall for their planning team because, you know, it it has to be, literally has to be multiple teams working through different rotations just to get everything out. And I would almost like to have some insight on which team gets assigned which roles and stuff because the content overall is really high quality. They, you know, they have some tricks. They basically have a series of canned animations, some camera movements, and uh, their dialogue system, which, you know, seems to be able to, like, rapidly iterate on stuff. But then you get into, like, the fact that we've seen dozens of just unique features come and go in the game at this point. Like, there's been whole UI menus, different game modes where you control up to, like, you know, like, six teams of two characters. Uh, All of the mini-games that were present in last year's Wind Bloom that were all, you know, had to be, like, custom-programmed... They do a really good job shoring up their resources and knowing how to kind of allocate their tools to make completely new, you know, gameplay experiences. I mean, even Theatrum, like, you know, we'll always talk about Theatrum and, you know, having to deal with that for weeks on end. Yeah, like, that's a whole-ass different game mode. And it, 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 it's staggering. The amount of work, especially especially for literally like the game designing, like pe- designing the gameplay itself, they are iterating like crazy. Yeah, it's so nuts. That that begs the question of like, do they just have a really good handle on managing all that, or is there some significant amounts of crunch involved? There's probably significant amounts of crunch. I mean, that's the you know rub. Even if they put out a thing basically on like their workplace management, you know, I wouldn't believe it's you know yeah basically unfortunately i think i think the problem now is that they are still expected to come out with new things to keep people occupied that they don't really have the opportunity to like start repeating old content yet because they don't have enough old content to be able to start repeating things like i personally would love to see that first meteor shower event come back the one that introduced us to scaramouche because i feel like a lot of people didn't get into genshin until much later and they missed that and that was such a story important piece of content that like let's let's get to the point where we can start recycling old content back in spite of the like lack of reruns in spite of the fact that we all would kind of like them it is clear that at least they're kind of learning from the past events um Lantern Rite uh, pretty much just concluded, and this was the second Lantern Rite the game has seen, and it was leagues better than the first one. Oh yeah, such a huge improvement. Because this one actually involved the characters we care about, and you know, while uh, Hoyoverse, as they're now calling themselves, um, did a great job of like having ongoing background NPC storylines, that's literally everything the last Lantern Rite was about. It was like doing like the first half of some Yakuza-style side quests, but, like, I didn't care either. It was infuriating going to, you know, Shangling's, uh, you know, father's place of business, and he's like, oh, yeah, she just took off a minute ago. You <laughs> just missed her. It's like... And, and the trailer was all contingent on all of the characters hanging out and, you know, partying during Lantern Rite. So this one was way better because it, you know, actually... Uh, I truly think the first Lantern Rite was just, like, a pandemic foible because, like... It was in their absolute interest to make this what Lantern Right was, and I think maybe with the you know troubles in development that come from developing during COVID, I could easily see that just being like, 
we have to put this on hold this year. Well, and I th- well, and, and, also, and they also have Moonchase to act as a nice prototype for it. Yes, like they 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 made their mistakes with the first Lantern, right? Saw the uh, the feedback, and then were like, well, we we have an opportunity for something else. And they did Moonchase. Yeah. They saw the positive reaction to that, and then were able to take all those lessons learned into this new Lantern, right? I hesitate to even say lessons learned because I don't think the first Lantern right is what they wanted to make. Yeah, okay, so, like, one of the rules they seem to have is that if there is a playable character that shows up, they do seem to always be fully voiced in events. I don't know if there's, like, you know, weird one-offs, like, uh, I haven't done those gourmet quests where Shang Ling shows up. I I doubt she's voiced in those, but I could be wrong, but the rule is... No, she's not. It is the exception that proves the rule just because people found her inclusion in those quests, like, mind-blowing. They were like, oh my god, this is what we wanted. We don't need them to be fully voiced all the time. We just want to see them in the world. Yeah, exactly. And and that yeah, was, yeah. like, it, the exact criticism of the last, you know, uh, Lantern Ride. But I think that that also was the reason that, you know, like, you know, uh, like you said, Beefy, um, they may not have had access to all of the voice actors, so they opted to not have all of them, you know, show up for the quests. Whereas I think this year they probably did plan around it a little bit more. I can't imagine what what their voice acting, because, like, think of how many characters there are. Think of how many voices there are. Multiply that by four. There are quadruple the voice actors of for the cast, because of the four audio languages. I don't... E- how goddamn many is that? How many, like, leeway characters are there? Let's say there's, like, ten, right? Yeah, it's already That's 40 voices. 40 fucking voice actors across language barriers, across time zones. Like, just the act of putting one voice character into anything is goddamn herculean and so that's why i'm like all right you know if the if the Rumi island quest for instance i get why that's not that's not voiced because that is six week turnover you gotta put your energy towards the stuff with the characters people are attached to and then dovetailing that into lantern right lantern right again we, we talked about it but with huge improvement but also just delivered on so many of the fan expectations and desires that people had um, especially around shipping. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you'd know that we churlmen of the board are all card-carrying passengers on the good ship Beiguang. We are a big fan, and we're a- appropriately pleased and somewhat scandalized at how absolutely horny they were during Lantern Rite. Uh, literally, literally, Beto became a cartoon wolf with her eyes popping out of her head. It was yeah. insane. A lot of ink has been spilled online on the subject of the Beiguang ship. I forgot to say, Beiguang is the English name for the Beto Ningguang romantic ship. Everyone is kind of wondering about this. This all got so far as to come up in a uh, community-led interview questions for both the voice actresses of Ningguang and Beidou. Uh, and to that end, in her interview with uh, Chris Mayick on YouTube, Aaron Ebers, the voice, the English voice of Ningguang, says the official answer is that there is no answer. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is because this should not be, and was not, a surprise to any of us, 
But I think that's kind of because we have an understanding of how otaku-oriented media and how character shipping is never explicit, but it's kind of always encouraged. Genshin is huge, and this is the first time, perhaps, that such a mainstream gaming audience has been exposed to these conventions in character-driven media. So we wanted to kind of take a moment to talk about that. Yeah, so we've played a lot of games in our day, and uh, there's a lot of limitations on what you kind of can and can't show, but also like how you kind of want to feed your community. Yeah. Um, specifically, you know, with games that uh, have sort of dating sim aspects to it, which gotcha games have always like dabbled in on some level or another. Yeah, and Genshin's um, pretty tame on that front. Yeah, yeah, but see, the thing is, you can still see the DNA of it there. Like, uh, you know, the number one rule is uh, no ships are canon unless the character's inside of your teapot in which they are shipped with the player character, because that's, like, literally a convention that's built into a lot of games. Yeah, like, you take your favorite, you bring them into your house, they have, like, dating dialogue with you. This, like, this is normal. Sometimes I got Albedo hitting on me. Like, I had no interest in that, but I, I, I had Albedo in there to increase Albedo's friendship level, and th there we go. Albedo's, yeah. like, super into my player character. Yeah, yeah most, most characters will be player sexual in that their sole source of affection will be the player character. Provided they're in the teapot, in but the teapot. outside of the teapot, uh, we have other stuff going on. Yeah, they're kind of relationship agnostic. And that's for a reason. It's not, like, it's really tempting, I think, for people who aren't familiar with this genre to be like, oh, well, of course, it's a it's a same-sex relationship, um, and, you know, this is a, a game under scrutiny from the Chinese government. They can't show that. That's, I mean, they are, but they are, also, but... like, it's, it's because, like... Yeah. If you're trying to sell more more gotcha pulls, you gotta sell your characters to the players. And if you the easiest way to sell the characters to the players is if is to give them the illusion that they are available to the players. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They, these characters are the product. These are the commodity that this game is selling to you. Ningong and Beto can't like each other. They're too busy liking me. Well, okay. So that's the thing is. <laughs> Availability means a lot of things. It can mean, and often does mean, literally available to the player, but it also means availability to interpret them as you please. So, like, uh, otaku-oriented media, which is media, uh, the shorthand is gets you fixated on characters. Uh, sells characters to you. It also goes hand-in-hand -hand with the doujin scene, which is... Um, amateur produced content usually for derivative works like, like th indie fan comics and yeah fan like literature and all that jazz yeah your fic your art your 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 fan comic your doujinshi your like shippy uh little uh buttons i guess yeah and, oh yeah the shippy like, buttons things. yeah merch so all of this represents the aftermarket of these characters the more you are thinking about these characters, the more invested you are in the product. And all oh. engagement is good. This is this is the ethos that they operate under. So yeah, So like it's on there's there's never gonna be like an official like so like this character is dating this character statement because like that A that cuts out like however much engagement's created by people making fan work of whatever other ships get like what like jost or something but yeah exactly official confirmation air quotes 
Exactly. But also because, like, it's definitely, it's free advertising. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason there's Genshin fan art everywhere on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and why they encourage fan art contests and stuff. Yeah, and they, like, they will never, they know what ships are hot because they put stuff in there. And every interaction of two characters is designed to make you think about them, whether it's romantically or not. Because a really fun and easy way to get you thinking about these characters is to show you how they interact with other characters. And, like, the the Beigwang ship, it just happens to be a very ripe extremely extremely pointedly ripe source of ideas for people to make their own interpretations of and that's great like i know some shippers who are used to uh, you know more conventional forms of of this kind of media are looking for this candid acknowledgement of their pairing like i don't but my question is, like, what more do you need? They have so much stuff going on for them. Uh, they have gotten more interactions than any other ship in the game. Like, you guys have been fed so well. Take these little nuggets and go make fan content of Beigwang. Because I, I, you could literally never show them interacting in the game again. And I feel like we've already won. <laughs> Like, look at other popular pairings. Let's say, okay, like, uh, last I heard, the, the Zhongli child ship is super popular. They've never mentioned yeah, each other popular. again. They have never mentioned each other again. So, the point is, this is literally not to discredit any ship, regardless of in-game evidence. Regardless of in-game evidence to the contrary. Literally, if you're shipping characters... Mihoyo, you're doing what Mihoyo wants. You're you're having a good time. You're engaging with the product. It is completely fine to ship anybody with anybody and have your own little fun in this playground. It's also fine to ship nobody with anybody if you don't if that's not your bag. Or, you know, you can do what the gotcha genre creators intended you to do and ship the characters with yourself. The only wrong way to engage around the, the topic of shipping is to think that people are somehow delusional for seeing these romantic uh, possibilities in these character interactions. Um, yeah, delusional or like somehow morally, uh, yeah. morally like harmful. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or just, like, yeah. For that. It's just like, it's like, these characters aren't real. They're yeah. they're not real people. But, Nobody's getting hurt. Like just just leave it alone. It's if you don't like it, don't look at it. Yeah, like stay off my lawn. Exactly. If you, yeah, if you think people are crazy for shipping Genshin characters, not only are you probably the most boring person on the planet, but you have a fatal misunderstanding of how this kind of media works. Um, this is probably one of the biggest otaku and fan creation oriented. Uh, IPs we've ever seen. Um, I My fandom coming in before this was Toho, which is also a very fan creation heavy fandom, but that was like an indie game, and this is this made like $3 billion last year or something. So that's where I am really interested to see where this goes. Uh, the evolution of fan spaces has always been super interesting to me, and 
this game is uh is one to keep an eye on. So thanks for coming to our TED talk of why Beiguang is canon and will never be canon and keep making that spicy fan art. <laughs> <laughs>